It's Monday, April 22nd. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Sri Lanka shut down a bunch of social media after coordinated bombings killed hundreds on Sunday. Today, we'll connect the dots on why countries think this is necessary to prevent more violence and why experts say it could do more harm than good. Then, militia groups at the southern border are apparently a thing. We'll talk about what border patrol agents are saying about them. And finally, it's Earth Day. We still have a lot of work to do. We're here to make your Monday smarter. Let's skim this. Support for today's episode is brought to you by Dunkin'. They've got a whole new line of signature lattes, Blueberry Crisp, Caramel Craze, and Coca Mocha, which is good because we've got a lot of news to cover. Sipping is believing. The most complicated question today is about social media blackouts. Not the self-imposed self-care kind, the government-imposed kind. On Sunday, a series of suicide bombings at multiple churches, hotels, and a housing complex in Sri Lanka killed nearly 300 people and wounded about 500 more. It was one of the worst terror attacks in recent history. 24 people have been arrested in conjunction with the bombings, and the government says they now believe a local radical Islamist group is behind them. This morning, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo announced that the U.S. would stand with Sri Lanka against terrorism. It's heartbreaking that a country which has strived so hard for peace in recent years uh, has been targeted by these terrorists. Uh, We mourn the loved ones of the victims, some of whom we can confirm were indeed U.S. citizens. This is America's fight, too. Sri Lanka is still investigating what exactly happened. But in the meantime, they're taking one major action. They're blocking people from being able to access sites like Facebook and Instagram. An internet monitoring group called NetBlock says other social media sites like YouTube, Viber, Snapchat, and WhatsApp have also been blocked there. The government says they're doing this to stop misinformation about Sunday's bombings from spreading on social media. We're going to get into why the potential spread of misinformation is such a concern, why some countries are banning social media sites left and right, and why critics say hitting the off switch doesn't always work. In Sri Lanka, like in many places, social media isn't just for scrolling through the gram before bed. For lots of people there, it's the way to stay in touch with family and friends. It's how people tell loved ones in times of crisis, like Sunday's massacre, that they're okay. It's also how government officials and groups like the Red Cross can keep people informed and coordinate response efforts. The problem with social media is when it comes to false information. Social media companies based in the U.S. have a hard time reining in the spread of false news in networks outside of the U.S., especially when it isn't in English. So false info is still slipping through the cracks and spreading, which can lead to violence. For example, in India, rumors spread on WhatsApp have led to mob violence and even death. Facebook has since updated the app to make it harder to share text with more than a few people at a time. It's happened in Sri Lanka, too. Last year, Sri Lanka declared a state of emergency after a group of Buddhists started attacking Muslim-owned businesses. Muslims are a minority in Sri Lanka. The Sri Lankan government soon discovered a bunch of Facebook posts that were encouraging violence against Muslims. So they temporarily blocked Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp to help people cool off. Those were responses to violence. But on Sunday, Sri Lanka pulled the plug to prevent violence after the coordinated bombings. This has been done before, too. After the last two presidential elections in the Democratic Republic of Congo, there was violence in the streets. 
This year, Congo tried to get ahead of that violence and stop the spread of misinformation by cutting off internet access. India announced a similar proposal this year ahead of their elections. The Indians didn't do it, at least not yet. The problem is, hitting the off switch on sites like Facebook doesn't exactly fix the false news problem. Because there is no off switch. In this case, it appears that what the Sri Lankan government is actually doing is telling internet service providers to block those sites. But not every internet service provider is doing it the same way. So some people still have access. And the last time Sri Lanka tried this, Facebook usage only dropped by half. A lot of people were able to get around the blackout by downloading what's called a virtual private network, which masks the location of the computer they're using. Critics also say that all-out social media bans can actually make things worse. A 2016 study of social media shutdowns in India found they had two major impacts. They led to an increase in violent protests, and they made it harder for people to organize peaceful protests in response. So what's the skin? Experts say the best way to prevent the spread of false news is to make actual news more prominent. But social media sites are still trying to figure out how to do that. Last week, YouTube's inner algorithm designed to combat fake news linked videos of the Notre Dame fire to information about the 9-11 attacks. Totally unrelated tragedies. So yeah, they've still got a ways to go. In response to the social media ban in Sri Lanka, Facebook says they're working to support first responders and law enforcement and track down content that violates their standards. Other companies have yet to comment. The instant messaging app Viber, which is used a lot in Sri Lanka, is encouraging users to, quote, be responsible and rely on updates from official and trusted sources. While Sri Lanka is cracking down on social media, in the U.S., militia groups are cracking down on the border. And now the U.S. is starting to crack down on them. That story's next. There's nothing like feeling fancy without draining your bank account. Getting fresh flowers, saying keep the change, putting on a face mask, or sipping on Dunkin's new handcrafted signature lattes. With flavors like Blueberry Crisp, Caramel Craze, and Cocoa Mocha, they'll have you feeling pinkies out all day. Sipping is believing with Dunkin's signature lattes. America runs on Dunkin. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. You may have heard of vigilante justice people taking the law into their own hands. The leader of a militia group that's been doing that on the southern border was in court today after being arrested by the FBI this weekend. His name is Larry Mitchell Hopkins, and he's head of the United Constitutional Patriots. They patrol the border in New Mexico for fun. Hopkins was arrested for illegal firearm and ammunition possession. He had his first court appearance this morning and will be back next week for his detention hearing. So who are these guys? The United Constitutional Patriots are mostly military veterans. They dress up in camouflage and carry guns and round up migrants along the border. Then they hand them over to Border Patrol officers. To be clear, they don't get paid to do this. And they make videos of their arrests. There's one that shows eight people sitting on the ground and half of them are kids. So we had a little group come in from El Salvador. Um, we got BP just got here, so. BP meaning Border Patrol. So here's where it gets confusing. The United Constitutional Patriots say they're working with Border Patrol. Border Patrol says they're not, and that they don't support citizens taking law enforcement into their own hands. 
But there are videos showing Hopkins militia interacting with Border Patrol agents. And since they started patrolling the border in February, the United Constitutional Patriots say they've helped Border Patrol detain 5,600 migrants. Last week, they held nearly 300 people in just one day. Which was kind of why that guy Hopkins got arrested. After media reports came out last week, the American Civil Liberties Union called on New Mexico's governor to investigate. Citizen arrests are only legal if a felony is committed. Illegal entry into the U.S. does not fall into that category. The governor said, I hear you, and said the state's attorney general and state police were already on it. And the FBI arrested Hopkins on Saturday. But that arrest was about possessing firearms as a known felon, not his militia work. The United Constitutional Patriots say his arrest was politically motivated. And one more thing to note, this one arrest isn't going to end the border militia movement. There are actually hundreds of unregulated militia members from a bunch of different groups all along the border. A new law is going into effect today in Los Angeles, just in time for Earth Day, about plastic straws. Starting today, customers will have to specifically ask for a plastic straw if they want one in large restaurants. They won't be on the tables. Americans use about 500 million straws every day. But if you're thinking, straws are so small, do they really make a difference? Well, one study estimates there are as many as 8.3 billion plastic straws polluting the world's beaches. And three years ago, a YouTube video showing marine biologists pulling a plastic straw out of a sea turtle's bleeding nose made us all squirm. It's freaking, it's a freaking straw up her freaking nostril. That's plastic. LA is not alone. Lawmakers in 22 states have introduced legislation to limit the use of plastic straws. Seattle's already doing it, and they're being phased out in DC by the summer. We've got an Earth Day guide on our website at theskim.com under the news tab. And if you wanna learn more about the no plastics movement, we have a long listen on the Skim app. Before we go today, we've got some fun Earth Day facts. Things you can do to help the environment all year long. First, stop throwing away food. The USDA estimates that Americans toss nearly a pound of food a day, and global food waste makes up nearly 8% of greenhouse gas emissions. Second, eat more greens and less meat. If cattle were their own nation, they'd be the third largest contributor of greenhouse gases. Gross fact, it's because of their methane farts and burps. True story. And third, compost. Turning your veggie peels into plant food reduces both food waste and greenhouse gas emissions. Win-win. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks for joining us and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. For more Skim, you can access our premium content by downloading our app from your app store and by signing up for our free morning newsletter, The Daily Skim, at theskim.com.